Hello and welcome to our Players Podcast for Kentucky Downs on Sunday, September 11th. I'm your host, Peter Thomas Fornital, back with you in the Brooklyn Bunker once again. Maybe I should have stuck around for the weekend in Nashville and gotten in these two great days racing at Kentucky Downs, but for various reasons made the decision to come back this way, but still been watching and betting and enjoying the Kentucky Downs meet that will continue today we're hoping for the best in terms of the weather there is some weather forecast but it looks like we should be on the right side of things we've convened a panel to go over the late pick five with you and we'll start with a guy from the home team he's been doing a great job covering kentucky downs giving uh, picks and thoughts for free over at in the money podcast.com and then he's also been contributing to in the money plus with uh with with some additional thoughts and and stats and views if you're interested to check that out in the moneypodcast.com slash plus the place to go i'm speaking of course of a noted contest player michael domable michael how are things things are great pete it's sad that there's only two days left of kentucky downs it's always fun uh following this track after saratoga closes kind of gives you that bridge to the breeders cup bridge to keeneland things like that uh but we got two two more opportunities let's let's see if we can hit this late pick five that's the plan. That's the plan. And we're also bringing in a man who's been on these airwaves before. We did a, a little profile of him and the work that he's done in the contest space just about a year ago. I always like telling people that there's, you know, did you know that there's one person that really had a guiding hand in both the Breeders' Cup Betting Challenge and the National Horse Players Championship? And many people know the name, but if you're not already in the contest space, you might not. He's also the director of wagering and simulcasting at Kentucky Downs. And in addition to that, he's a horse player who likes to uh, go to the windows and fire. Very eager to get the thoughts of Ken Kirkner. Ken, how are you? Good morning, Pete. Everything's well down here. And we were noting off air that yesterday it did seem to be a little bit of an advantage to be forward, maybe to be down towards that inside with the with the rail down. Are we expecting a similar track today, Ken, or do you think the weather that we're having and is expected might might uh, neutralize that a little bit? Well, I think certainly yesterday with the rail at zero, um, and we had not had rain since that horrible three inches the Saturday before on September 3rd, where we had to cancel the last four races of the day because we had three inches of rain in one hour. Uh, but we had not had rain in, for a week until uh, this morning. So I think yesterday with the rail down, the course was very firm. And I think as we saw, it tended to favor some of the speed horses a bit. Uh, with a little bit of rain this morning and there's a chance of pop-ups most of the day, I think that the, the rain, I don't think it'll have too much of an impact on the course itself. I think it may end up listed as good later today, but the course can handle some rain because it's been so dry. So I expect it to be a pretty fair track, uh, firm cor turf course between firm and good at this point. Sounds like the typical, anytime you're dealing with the course condition biases, etc. got to be nimble, pay attention to what's going on out there. Probably best not to go in with too many preconceived notions. We'll have the first six races to make judgments as well before we dive into this late pick five. That's where we're going to start the show with race number seven scheduled to go at 448 Eastern time. We've got an allowance going six and a half on the turf and a big full field signed up 
Ken, we'll start with you. What numbers are you going to put on your pick five tickets? I'm looking at uh, several horses right here, uh, starting with the seven, which is a Wesley Ward horse um, out of door. And uh, coming out of Woodbine and uh, a couple of synthetic races there and at Presque But going back, uh, the horse has a win last, well, it's actually two years ago now, uh, here at Kentucky Downs. And as I've seen over the last two years, having experience here at Kentucky Downs does seem to make a factor uh, in your handicapping as you're looking at these races. So I'm going to start there simply because he's a big price. And obviously, he'll probably be bet down a bit since it's Wesley Ward. But I'll start there. I also like another price. I think Dallas Stewart's horse on the inside may have a shot here uh, with Julian LaPeru up. Uh, two back, ran a really nice race at Churchill Downs. Uh, granted, that was back in May. His horse has been laid off. And um, I think may have something to say about this outcome. And then there's two Mike Maker horses, the two and three, that I think I will include on my ticket. Makes sense. Perfectly spite. Uh, 12 to 1 on the morning line. Top pick out of door listed at 15. Definitely a chance to get some some prices rocking and rolling to kick this thing off in addition to using the likes of Maxwell Esquire and, and Mr. Hustle. Maybe a little bit more logical from the maker barn, especially the way that he's been uh, off to a, a, off to a, a start, middle, and, and potentially finish at this Kentucky Downs meet. Michael, how do you see this one? Yeah, I think... I think uh, for the fact that Ken didn't mention either of them, I think the, both the favorites on the morning line are, are vulnerable. The number nine, Newsworthy, uh, is the morning line favorite, comes off a, a long layoff, has a win over the course uh, last year, which is a, a feather in his cap, but he did have like a huge pace set up that day and got completely with the run of the race. Um, and then the number 10, Rustler, uh, is also a short price on the morning line. I think him he might drift up off of that, but I don't want to take – uh, a short price with uh, like these lower profile connections. Um, I agree with Ken. I think Maxwell Esquire is, is certainly a huge player here. Uh, Maker's been on fire this meet and teams up with Gaff Leone, who's been on, on board for four of his, four of his 10 wins at the meet so far. I think Maxwell Esquire is kind of, kind of that uh, quintessential uh, tweener kind of like he's been bouncing back and forth between route races in sprint races on the Naira circuit. But then this six and a half furlongs kind of plays between the two. Um, and so I think this distance could really suit suit him pretty well. And uh, second off, second for time for Maker, they could, could step forward a little bit. Um, and then I agree on on Altador as well. Um, got that win over the course course and distance as a juvenile. He hasn't really delivered on, on all that promise that he showed early. Uh, but I think his last race is a little bit dirtied up because that pace, it was a 13 horse field in the, in the bold venture and the pace kind of incinerated and he was right up close to it. So maybe he can do the same thing he did in his, his win uh, over the course a couple of years ago and kind of stalk and pounce. Uh, I don't think you're going to get anything close to 15 to one with Wesley Ward and Irad Ortiz. I think he actually probably will be five to one or so. Um, so and and for that reason and the fact that I think there's a quick pace, I actually landed on the number six Baker's Bay. Um, so like like the like Altador, he possesses a win over the course and distance, and then they've been kind of dr- trying a bunch of different route distances with him from eight and a half furlongs all the way out to twelve, 
and it may look like he's he's off he's off form since he hasn't hit the board since April of last year. But I think this is actually like a pretty significant drop in class. He's been running against the likes of like Red Knight, who who won the Kentucky Turf Cup yesterday, um, and he's got the highest time form US late pace rating in the field. So maybe he can sit and make one run. Um, hopefully kind of stay towards that inside and tip out in the lane and, and run them all down. Michael, I hate to say this, but the horse has been scratched. Oh, oh no. Yeah. <laughs> that was a good case too. I wonder if, if it's course condition or just looking for another spot. No, I think I, I don't know the, the reason I, I just got the scratches and five and six are out of this race along with the also eligibles. Okay, so the five and the six don't go, and neither of the also eligibles, oh, the 13. And also the eight. The eight okay. Dale, Dale Roman's horse is out. He got five, six, eight, 13, and 14 to kick this off. Yeah. Michael, it sounds like you'll still oh, have no. some Maxwell Esquire and Outdoor on your tickets. Was there Were there any other runners you wanted to nominate for inclusion here? Yeah, I would probably use the four and five as backups uh, and as well as the nine. I'm against the 10, but I would say two and seven would be the A's, and then uh, four, five, nine would be your backups. We'll pivot to race number eight. Did you get changes for, for all yes. the races, Ken? So I'll just yes. we'll start with you with changes for each okay. race, and number, then we'll. Number, and then yeah, we'll that's great. Uh, number seven is out, all the envy. Okay, 30 to one on the morning line for right. that one. Field of seven going postward for this two year old Philly Stakes weight race, the Ainsworth Untappable. Six and a half for, for these two-year-old fillies with uh, 500000 in the pot. Michael, we'll keep it with you for your analysis. Well, thankfully, I did not land on all the end of the year, else that would be a, a pretty unfortunate double to start off the podcast. But I actually think that there's three horses that I need to move on in the pick five here. Uh, the first of which is the number four, Ricinto Rompere. And it's kind of crazy how similar uh, – that the four lines on this filly look to the winner of this race last year, who is Koala Princess, who actually runs in the ninth race today. Both of them trained by Arnold Delacour, ridden by Joel Rosario, broke their maidens in a Monmouth turf sprint by seven plus lengths. Um, she did it a little bit slower than than her stablemate in the next race did, uh, but did the the parallels are too obvious for me to leave this one off. Um, I think the number eight alluring angel is super dangerous for Jorge Abreu. It's not often you see in those five and a half uh, juvenile turf sprints at Saratoga, someone come from as far back as this Philly did running, running them all down, earning a pretty high speed figure in the process. And with so many runners liking to be forwardly placed in this race, I think the pace could develop as well for, for her. And then, but my top pick is going to be the number two, Dance Macabre, uh, Ran into a, 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 a really nice Wesley Ward filly last time uh, at Saratoga in the Bolton Landing. And no disgrace running running second there. Was really impressive breaking her maiden at, at Colonial, two back. And I think that the six and a half furlong distance is going to suit her well. She was running on well at the end. Not necessarily getting to love reins, but getting clear of the other fillies in the stakes race last time. I think she can sit just off the pace, get that inside trip. Um, and hopefully win. So it'll be two, four, and eight to move on for me in this pick five. Ken, how do you see this one? I I would agree largely with Michael. Uh, two and four, Dance Macabre and uh, Racinto Rompere, uh seem to be the top choices for me. I think coming out of uh, the Saratoga race, the Deuce 
um, looks pretty strong. And I like the pace, the, both the way this horse sets up uh, and maybe the way the race sets up with Wesley Ward's horse probably going to the front. Um, you know, I think that he's going to get a good stalking trip and or she'll get a good stalking trip and and uh have a good chance to uh pull away in the stretch uh the other one the arnold delacour i like the case that michael made there um certainly the trainer has some pretty good stats on 61 to 180 day layoffs i like the fact that rosario's up on the horse and to me i i might only go too deep in this race with those deuce, those two looking to go two and four for ken Michael thrown in the eight in that stakes race. We move on to more stakes action. Three-year-old fillies this time around. The Nelson's Greenbrier Tennessee Whiskey Music City Stakes. It's a mouthful, but I kind of like the name of it. I thought that was fun. I didn't realize that one of the many cool things Kentucky Downs does for connections is every day has its own uh, bottle of whiskey that uh, I guess get awarded to to winning connections. I was a kind of a fun one. I'm guessing this is the uh, I'm guessing this is the Nelson's Greenbrier Tennessee Whiskey Day down at Kentucky Downs. Six and a half furlongs for these three year old fillies. Again, half a million in the pot. Ken, any changes? And what are your views on this one? Uh, the changes thus far are the 14 and 15 are out. Okay. Uh, we have not yet because it's stake race. The 13 is still in at this time, but uh, that's uh, subject to change uh, here in the next hour or so. Gotcha. Only 12 will go postward. So Correct. if nobody defects, the 13 will be out, but holding that one just in case. What numbers do you imagine will be on your tickets? I'm looking at uh, a couple of uh, horses. I like the Brendan Walsh horse, the 11 on the outside. Um has a couple of really nice runs. I thought the the race at Woodbine on the turf going six and a half, two back um, was pretty strong. I, I certainly liked the number that came out of that race. And um, the horse at 15 to one getting Tyler Gaffleon up, which to me is a big plus. I also then jump on the four horse, uh, which is Koala Princess with Joel Rosario and Delacour again. Um, another horse a little bit I like is the seven, Freedom Speaks, for Jeremiah Engelhart. Uh, Lescano is up. Looks to me like the, he had a really nice trip last time out up there at Saratoga on August 19th. And uh, he would be one that I would th- be throwing on my ticket. And then probably the Brad Cox and Florent Giroux, uh, Bubble Rock number eight. So I've got four deep in this leg. Makes sense. Yeah, that was a fast race from uh, Freedom Speaks at the at Saratoga the last day. That angle I talk about so often on the shows when they get on the new surface and improve markedly for it. Michael, have you tipped your hand already that the Koala Princess is one that you want in this spot? Comes in to this race this year on a similar pattern to what she did last year. Yeah, I definitely think that 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 Arno Delacour filly is is my top pick in this spot as well. You know, you have that that run over the, the course and distance. And I really think the six and a half furlong is kind of like, it's kind of almost like a, like the Santa Anita down the hill type of, of track where if you kind of have experience over this specific turf sprint, it, 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 it's more valuable than, than a five, a five and a half, or, or even like those elongated sprints at Belmont. It's just so, so worth, it's so valuable to have that experience, especially um, over this like unique course. So 
Royal Princess would be my top pick. I actually think that the the Breeders' Cup Juvenile Phillies Turf is kind of the key form race for for this event. And I also like Bubble Rock, the number eight. Um, that trip was actually the last time she was on turf, and it was a, a nightmare journey all, all throughout. Um, so that's a complete line through that race. And I also think that she'll appreciate, although she hasn't been over it yet, I think she'll appreciate this type of distance because she's shown to be at least some, somewhat successful, have some run in her going around the ground, but also has one going six furlongs. So I think those two will be the main players. I uh, somehow landed on the same 15 to one shot uh, as Ken did as well. I think that run last time, she had a little bit of trouble entering the far turn, which is not noted in the PPs. Uh, she was kind of inside and then kind of had to study a couple of times before tipping out and running down that field. So plus that with, with Brendan Walsh and, and, and Tyler Gaffleone uh, getting a price there. That's, that's a huge, I would think that would be a, a huge overlay. Um, and then I think we'd be remiss not to mention uh, Poppy Flower, uh, who's most likely going to be the favorite. It's been in really good form since coming off the layoff for, for Mott. Um, but I actually think that in the Galway Stakes, have a good day, ran sl- like a sneaky good race, and that's the number one on the rail. Um, was was coming up, up the fence, but then had to steady at a, at a crucial point and didn't get didn't get all the way through and in route to a fifth place finish. So I would want to throw her in as well. So for me, it would be four, eight, eleven as A's, and then the one and three as backups. All right, that's how I'll record it. And sounds like you feel that the, at the six and a half, similar to Santa Anita, not only previous runs at the track, but also maybe a little bit more suited to Myler's cutting back as opposed to sprinters stretching out. Is that fair to say, Michael? Yeah, I think that's completely fair. I think that the six and a half at Kentucky Downs with with the run up two um, almost plays like seven furlongs from the gate. So I kind of think of it like first I look at it and see if they have experience over that exact st- st- strip. And then I kind of compare it to either the six and a half down the hill or um, like a seven furlong at Belmont. Kind of those two are like the most um, most easily compared to to this distance but it is it is relatively unique and i do think it favors horse with a little bit more stamina than those like five and a half furlong like speedsters for sure that's logical to me ken i mean you you've you've been down there more than either of us have does that match your experience yes i think so because on on that six and a half the first run-ups just slightly uphill and then as soon as they make that turn at the top um, they go downhill. So the speed horses tend to get themselves out and then they're running downhill. And, uh, you know, so, so it tends to take a lot out of them. I think by the time they get around that turn down to the bottom of that hill and they turn into the home stretch, I think that, that it, it wears on them. Now, obviously yesterday with the firm conditions, it did make, uh, a few of them hold on, I think a little longer in the stretch, which helped some of those front runners with a little bit of moisture in the track today. I expect it to revert back to the way it was uh, more so last Sunday uh, where you, where you had off the pace horses uh, making a move. Race number 10, we've got grade three stakes action with the AGS ladies marathon, a mile and five sixteenths on the turf here. We've got a field of nine. Ken, we'll go for you for the changes, if any, and then we'll bring in Michael for his uh, opinion on this one. None that I'm aware of at this time. All right. We look like we're clean, as Harvey Pack used to like to say uh, in this instance. Michael, who do you like in the race? 
Yeah, I think this is a two-horse affair. Um, the number eight family way looks looks super formidable as the favorite. Um, won this race last year uh, and has been in probably arguably better form this year than she came into the race, uh, the same race last year. A no disgrace last time losing to uh, Delika and Princess Grace, who both came back to run well um, over the over the course yesterday. Um, and she almost pulled off that upset in the in the Grade One New York, um, but Bleecker Street ran her down in the last in the final few strides. So I mean, Family Way just checks so many boxes when it comes to to this race. You know, it, with the experience over the course and distance, in good form, Brendan Walsh and Tyler Gaffleone. But I mean, the one thing that isn't going in her favor is the price she'll be. So I think she'll be probably around that three to two morning line, maybe even a little shorter. So at three, at four to five times the price, I'll take adventuring on top, hoping she can wire the field just as she did in the dueling grounds Oaks last year over a, over the same distance, over a course with some given the ground. Um, and I think, uh, she, you know, she's only had one start this year. It was on dirt. So you really can't read it too much into that, but I'm hoping that just she's, she takes to, to kind of what her damn questing was when, when, when they get alone, when she got alone on the front end, she was such a beast. And I think, if, if adventuring can get alone on the front end, which it's on time form and on all the pace figures I've seen, she looks like she will be able to and just kind of click off 12s, 12, 13s all the way around and lead them on a merry chase. I get it. Uh, Michael trying to lock this one up 8-1. Ken, who's your idea of the winner? I, I certainly think that um, the, the eight horse family way to me just stands out. If I was looking at this, pick five sequence and was going to, you know, have to single a horse, this would certainly be the one that I would say would, would be the most likely winner. Um, as Michael mentioned, uh, a winner here on the course last year, ran a beautiful race last time against Delika and Princess Grace, who both came out and fired very well and had a great race yesterday here uh, in what was a, a million dollar race. So I certainly think that family way, it, it begins and ends with me uh, right there with the eight horse in this race. Trying to uh, single and uh, allow some of the spreading in other places with Family Way, who certainly makes a lot of sense on form and figures. Depending on how the course is playing, though, if speed is holding especially, I don't think that's a terrible idea to uh, think about throwing in Michael's adventuring as well. We'll see how it plays out this afternoon. One more race to talk about, our nightcap race number 11. We've got two-year-old Maiden Phillies going one mile on the turf ken we'll ask you the two key questions what do we have in terms of changes and how are we going to get paid all right um the 10 song of storms is out along with 13 14 15 16 the also eligibles okay okay so mainly just losing one in the bottom of the field field of 11 will still go postward who do you like i tend to favor in this race uh the Safi joseph horse uh number three mad madam min with Tyler Gaffleone up, uh, I think that the horse is going to like the turf. Um, you know, the, its maiden race was back at Gulfstream Park in July, but I just feel like Safi Joseph's three of 11. Most of his horses have been firing pretty well here, even if they he's certainly won three of them out of 11. So he's, he, his horses are moving. He's got three seconds. Uh, so I tend to want to look at his horses extra in, uh, as we move forward here. 
And that's to me a nice, nice horse, good price, six to one. Hopefully he's going to take to the turf here very well. Uh, the other horse I like uh, are both the seven, which uh, Kelsey Danner has had a couple of winners here, and and his horses have also been running well. I think the horse uh, coming out of that race at Colonial Downs uh, makes a lot of sense to to move a step forward here. Um, and then the four horse, the Mike Maker horse, first time starter. Uh, it, with a rat or tease up, uh, those three make the most sense to me at this point. Three, seven, and four to close it out for Ken. Michael, how about you? What uh, numbers will be on your tickets to knock this thing out? Yeah, Ken and I are on a lot of the same ones, and so I'll just highlight a couple more factors that went into to me liking them. Um, the number three, Mad Madame Mim. Um, Safi had a, a very, very similar-looking runner named Axtel when – on I think it was opening day, yep. you know, second time starter, synthetic to turf. Um, so this one has that, that same kind of pattern. Safi's horses have been running really well. And Showgirl Lynn B came back in, in one. I think Pete Pete had that one on horse players happy hour. So yep. <laughs> for the cap to you there. Um, she came back in one over the course uh, earlier in the meet. So the three's definitely got a lot to like. Um, the number seven is my top pick, uh, psychedelic. Comes out of the same race as the number 12, Sabalenka, who I'd also want to have on, on side. Um, and I think Psychedelic just had a little bit of a, of a tough trip, like kind of an awkward stumble at the start. And then when, when she tried to make her rally, she was coming up the inside, which you, a lot of times you want to be um, outside in the clear rallying through the stretch on the turf. And, and so it was a little bit uh, tough for a first time starter to try to, try to get that move going. Um, down the lane. So psychedelic is, is, would be my top pick. Um, Kelsey Danners had a couple nice priced winners at the meet already. Um, and then Sabalenka, the number 12, uh, just too logical for me to leave off. Ran, ran really well uh, following a pretty nice uh, winner that came back to run in, in the stakes race at Kentucky Downs. Um, and it, this horse just had, has the look of one that's, that's well meant, you know, the connections that, that don't win very often get Jose Ortiz on board um, and, and had Loveberry on board, who is one of the top jockeys at, at colonial this year for the, for the debut. Um, so that, this, that's a sneaky horse, I think. I mean, seven to two morning line wouldn't be any value, but she might uh, float up a little bit off that with, with some of the other more high profile connections in the race. And, and honestly, in a bet like this, pick five seems like one, if, you, if you're right all the way through to here, not one you necessarily want to get uh, beat by as well. So seven, three, and 12 to close it out for you, Michael. Did I get that right? Yeah, I'd probably throw in the, the four as a backup. Just wouldn't, if, I, if all my opinions are right up to this point, um, you wouldn't want to have uh, a, a maker first time starter not on any, not on any ticket at all. I think that's fair. Well, I feel much more excited about approaching this pick five after talking to you guys about it. That's my uh, my compliment to the work you put into it and the the, the thought process that uh, that you brought to the show today. Really appreciate both of you for for turning up and doing this. We'll have one more Kentucky Downs pod. We'll be doing a little bit of recapping of the meet earlier uh, early in the week as well we're going to be following to see this is the the final of the three contests at kentucky downs today we'll see who uh, gets to wear that king of the turf crown that's a fun storyline to follow as well we'll thank our presenting sponsors from both kentucky downs and global tote slash bet makers you know we're going to be hearing a lot more 
uh, about Kentucky Downs on the network and a lot more from uh, Betmakers slash Global Tote as well. They've both been excellent partners, and it was great to get down there and see everybody on Thursday, uh, including today's guest, uh, Ken Kirkner. Good, great getting a chance to catch up with you, Ken. Where do you travel when you when you when the Kentucky Downs meet finishes? What's next on your dance card? Oh boy. Well, I'm going to take a, a little bit of time off. I've got uh, to go up to Indianapolis and see my uh, new grandchild. Fun. Which would be a lot of fun. And then uh, back to Lexington for a few days and then to Pennsylvania and then back to Florida. So i uh, going to put some miles on the car uh, <laughs> over the next month. Good stuff. Michael, how about you? Where does your uh, tack shift? I know you're a big, big colonial guy, big Kentucky Downs guy. What's Where will the focus be, or do you just go straight into Breeders' Cup? Yeah, I think I, the next live racing I'll see will be at the Breeders' Cup, lucky enough to qualify for the BCBC again this year. So we'll be on site for, for that. And then probably from a from a viewing from the, from afar, it'll be shifting to the, the Keeneland fall meet here not too shortly and, and making sure I stay up to date on all the major Breeders' Cup preps. Uh, we'll, we'll hopefully be bothering you for some more coverage of the all-turf uh, pick three, a bet I know you've had success with in the past. All right. We're going to thank you, Michael, one more time. You can one more time. Global Tote, Betmakers, Kentucky Downs. Most of all, though, want to thank all of you, the listeners. You've really supported these Kentucky Downs shows, made them fun to do, and uh, really happy that we expanded our coverage this year. It, it's a meet that people appreciate. And the feedback has been tremendous. So thanks to all of you as well. This show has been a production of In The Money Media. Our business manager is Drew Coatney. Our chief creative officer is Jonathan Kinchin. I'm Peter Thomas Fornatel. May you win all your photos.